Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, I was looking around and I was realizing, gosh, there's all these people I don't know. It's a little bit, uh, in a way, it's a little discouraging because it says how many. But, you know, I think some of it is I just didn't recognize them. Oh, my gosh. As I look more closely, I think maybe I do know more of you than I thought, which is cool. But it also means that there's a lot of new blood, which is always important. Uh, I, la um, last weekend, I went to, this is embarrassing to say, I went to a 50-year reunion of my high school fellowship group uh, called Good News Gathering. And I actually stole the name of that, uh, of that group went to give to my church when uh, I had a church. And it, it was incredible because, I mean, people would walk in, like there was this one woman who walked in and I looked and I said, Lily Yee! I mean, 50 years, and you know, my first look at her was she hadn't changed an iota. I could still rec, and other people said the same thing about her. And there were a bunch of other people I immediately recognized from 50 years ago. So the reason I'm mentioning that is because uh, I realized that that group had a tremendous impact on me. First of all, I became a Christian through people in that group. Unfortunately, the people that led me to Christ couldn't make it. It was very, very sad. But um, the group itself shaped my view of church, fellowship, all the stuff. And second of all, it made me think about this church. Because I spent about 10 years or so, I'm not sure quite how many, about 10 years here, I had told God, I'm not going anywhere until you tell me to. I was in the middle of this kind of crisis. I was thinking, oh, you know, what am I doing here? Are these my people or what, you know? And I'm thinking, you know, the only way I'm ever going to be able to serve God is to plug in. I have to be where the people are. This thing had a voice thing, you know. Anyway, but uh, so, and I, and I said, God, I'm just going to stay put until you tell me to leave. And God took me at my word. And the interesting thing about that was that I'd be, you know, when you stay put, guess what happens? <laughs> you become a target, easy target, right? So I had all kinds of things happen where I felt like, oh man, this is so hard, you know. But the end result was that I felt God really shaped me up so I could do ministry. Because I started going to seminary and uh, through a series of unusual and weird coincidences that I won't go into, uh, including something prophetic by Peter Fong, which I would... But anyway, uh, I, I ended up preaching at five different churches in a, per month. Or I, I had a circuit of five different churches I was preaching at. And this church was not one of them. Oh, it was terrible. I couldn't come here because I was always like in San Francisco or Newark or, or somewhere else. That was incredibly fun, but I really missed this place. So I come back, and of course, I have my representative here. And uh, I come back every chance I get. 
Yeah, I think I do come back every chance I get. Anyway, um, I just thought I would tell you that to kind of tell you where I've been and what I'm doing here. What am I doing here? Oh, I'm supposed to speak. And I'm going to talk about, well, well uh, I'm going to talk about Romans 12, 1 and 2, but I'm going to take a hopefully slightly different angle on it so you're not thinking, well, I've heard this a million times, you know. Uh, there are these cowboy sayings like, never drink downstream from the herd. And uh, not, uh, most of the trouble you're going to face, or, or the most difficult person you're going to face during the day, watches you shave every morning in, in his mirror, something like that. I can't, it's, it's too complicated for me to get right. But you get the point, right? Uh, like, you'll see how, you'll see how, uh, how, how, big a, how big a deal you are when you try to order someone else's dog around, you know, things like that. And, it, and well, this is one of them. 90% of life is just showing up. And I want to <laughs> ask you guys a question. How many of you are here? How many of you are here? Dan, Dan's here. I don't believe it, Dan. No, I'm just kidding. How many of you are here Really here. Really, really here. 100%. Or, are you thinking about something else? Like what you're going to do afterwards? Or, you know, who can I have lunch with? Or who, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, you know, maybe, oh, I got this text. I guess I have to answer it surreptitiously so nobody knows. <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, or, or you're thinking about something entirely unrelated. Okay, now I'm not saying I'm so fascinating and interesting as a speaker that you, you just can't help it, you gotta listen to me. I'm not. And I'm not even saying that this church is necessarily the be all and end all of anything, but God is. How many of you come before God? There's a, I was, I was thinking about a philosopher who uh, unfortunately, I didn't learn about him in philosophy class, and I think that's because uh, of propaganda. He happens to be a philosopher who uh, revives some of the really important proofs of God's existence. Um, his name's Charles Hartshorn, and he said, and so he, he ended up believing in God. He's not a Christian, but he believes in God because, among other things, he kind of proved that God exists. Uh, anyway, he... Uh, he said that the command to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind is almost a scientifically precise description of who God is. Because God is the only one you can love. You, it is not possible to love anything else with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. There'll always be something left over in you that that thing, that person, that entity will, will not cover. Think about love for country. Well, what about your friend in, you know, Taiwan or something? Or, you know, what about uh, uh, English literature? I love English literature. Does that mean that my love for my country 
which I admit is not the strongest thing because I grew up in the 60s. But anyway, let's say I were an incredible patriot. Um, if, is my love for my country going to cover my love for English literature? Shakespeare, Milton, etc., etc.? See, there's something left out. There's England, you see, and so on. With anything, you're, something will be missing if you try to love it with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. There will be some part of you left over, except for God. Because God encompasses everything. Okay, so we'll, just something to keep in mind. My talk is kind of about that. 90% of life is just showing up. Uh, Jeremiah told me how this works. Okay, there's a big button right in the middle of it. Ha! It worked. I have a different one. I always believe in carrying around your own stuff because you get somewhere, like I've, having gone to five different churches, nothing, not one of them had ever had any, all the stuff I needed. <clears throat> I remember one time they gave me a music stand to put my Bible on. And my Bible was kind of heavy at the time, which obviously it isn't now because not, I don't see a Bible. Anyway, I put my music stand on the Bible. And something very mysterious happened. It got farther and farther away. <laughs> I'm saying, why is my Bible getting harder and harder to read? And I realized that the music stand was... <laughs> anyway, so you bring your own stuff if you're going to... But I didn't this time, and so there's this big button. I just think I just pushed that button, and I think it worked. Anyway, if I were in my church, I would have somebody in the audience read that. Anybody see that? Please, thank you. Therefore, I strongly advise you, brethren, in view of God's mercies, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated and well pleasing to God. This is your reasonable service. Okay. Uh, darn, this is going to be a little bit. Um, that word consecrate. No laser. No laser on here, is there? All right, forget the laser. Anyway, uh, that word consecrated. I, I change it in elsewhere to be holy. It's the same idea. So when you see that word, think holy. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> this is your reasonable service. All right. Uh, so, therefore, I strongly advise you, brethren, in view of God's mercies. Well, what is Paul talking about there? He's talking about Romans 11. Actually, he's talking about all of Romans up to that point. But in particular, he's talking about Romans 11. And this is, one, this is an incredibly funny passage. I know that you guys don't think the Bible has humor in it. Believe me, there's a lot of humor in the Bible. I mean, Jesus told camel jokes and cringy puns. Did you know that Jesus said, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I, I ramble. I apologize in advance. I ramble. Okay, I'm old, sorry. Um, this is what you're getting. Okay, this is what you pay for. Okay, so Jesus said, they strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. In Aramaic, gnat is galma. Gnat is galma. Camel is gamla. So they strain at a galma and swallow a gamla. Funny in the original language. You kind of had to be there, yeah, but you see, that's a cringy pun if I ever saw one. Anyway, Jesus tells cringy puns. And there are plenty of other places where there's humor in the Bible. 
You just have to have your eyes open. Pay attention, okay? So if you don't think the Bible's funny, you should feel guilty. (laughs) Anyway, for in the same way you once disobeyed God. He's talking about non-Jews here. You once disobeyed God. But now you receive mercy because of their disobedience. Okay, here's God. God saying, my, my people, the Jews, they're disobedient. So, well, I'll show them. I'm going to have mercy on the Gentiles. That'll fix them. And then, I'm exaggerating, obviously. Um, so, and then God sort of thinks about it. And he says, now, they've also disobeyed. I, what, what could God conclude wait, I had mercy on them because they disobeyed. But since they were disobedient, and so were they, what could God do? So by the mercy you received, they have also received mercy. They they also may receive mercy. For God has netted, that's the literal meaning of the word, God has thrown out a net that caught everybody in disobedience. We're all disobedient. What? That's terrible. We're all going to hell, right? Right? No. (laughs) So that he may show mercy to everyone. See, God is thinking to myself, I'm going to make this easy. I'm not going to sort people out. I'm going to find something that gathers them all in, and then I'm going to treat them all the same way. And the the way he's going to treat us is... Mercy. All right? That's a pre- Paul geeked out about that. If you read the rest of Romans 11, Paul goes, oh, I can't believe this. God, was so, God is so far beyond my understanding. I never would have thought of that. If he's going to save the world, I never would have thought that he'd consign them all to disobedience so he could be merciful to all of them. That's a crazy way to do it. But my goodness, it works, doesn't it? Because that's one thing we all have in common. Excuse me. Okay. I'm I'm doing a little bit at a time from Romans 12. That you present your bodies. Okay, notice. How many of you remember kindergarten and the teacher would call your name Grace? What do you say? You're in kindergarten. Grace... Uh, Sophia, nobody remembers kinder, I'm 60 years old, I mean 68, whoa, I don't even remember how old I am, but I remember what you say when you're in kindergarten, you say, present, (laughs) well maybe you guys didn't say that, maybe you just said here, but anyway, uh, that you present your bodies, you are there. Okay, you see, you are present before God. Now, I don't care what you're doing right now, personally. Hey, you know, they already, I was joking, they already gave me my honorarium. I don't, this is, and I was thinking, well, what if they don't like my sermon? Do I have to give it back? And they laughed. So, I don't care, I'm already paid. (laughs) I'm I'm joking, obviously, but the point is, 
you know, I come here once in a blue moon. Well, you guys come here every week. Are you really here? Why are you here? I, there was a girl who walked into my church one Sunday. She said, oops, ah, need a wireless mic. I don't want to be here. <laughs> and guess what happened? Well, three months ago, she got baptized. So <laughs> be careful, okay? Uh, anyway, um, she was nevertheless, even though she didn't want to be there, she was still present. She heard the word, and it spoke to her. She started saying, well, you know, I really like all this stuff, but I just don't know if it's true. It's too good to be true. This is supposedly good news. It's too good. And then finally she says, well, I'm just going to believe it, and got baptized. Okay, so are you, are you there? Even if you don't want to be here, are you here? You see? Are you present before God? Do you want to be present before God? Because, well, first of all, all real living is meeting. It's the interacting of persons coming together, knowing people, letting people know you, and knowing them. Really letting people know you and really knowing them. There's this mutuality going on here, and that's what God wants with you. God wants to know you. You know, there's a pl there are two places in the Bible where it talks about God knowing you. You say, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't God know everything? Yeah, but he doesn't push his way into your life. You can hide out from God. You can say, I don't want God, would you stay out of here? I just really am not interested. But maybe you say yes to God. Maybe you open yourself up to God. And you say, God, I want to be known by you. I want to know you, but even more. Because that's really, it's more important. I want to be known by you. There's a place, kind of a scary place, where Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Do you guys want, how, how would you feel if Jesus, had, what, if you came, what if you came to a party and you just got the wrong address or something and, they, and you knock on the door and there is a party going on there, but they say, who are you? Go away. We don't know you. Feel pretty bad, right? Well, if you went to the great wedding banquet, the supper of the lamb, the marriage supper of the lamb, and they open the door and they see you and say, what are you doing here? We don't know you. Whoa. <laughs> you know? Well, you, you, my feeling is I don't want that to happen. And I'm going to take whatever steps I can to avoid it. Okay? I'm not trying to scare anybody here. Yes, I am. Don't, <laughs> don't be that person. Don't be that person where Jesus says, I never knew you. Who are you? Right? All right. Oops. Show up before God. Okay, Israel. You guys remember the Mount Sinai, right? There was this mountain. It was like something right out of a, a disaster movie, only worse, right? There was thunder and lightning and earthquake and trumpets blowing. And God had said, if you even touch the mountain, you got it. you're going to die. If an animal touches the mountain, it's going to die. And how did the people respond? 
They went to Moses and they said, Moses, we never want anything like that to happen to us again. You talk to God and we'll talk to you. But we do not want to talk to God. He's too scary. I mean, I get it, right? Do you get it? I get it. Uh, but, but see, that's a problem. Because from, now, from then on, everything was once removed. I can no longer come to God. I cannot go into the Holy of Holies. I'll die. Right? But someone else goes into the Holy of Holies, and only once a year. See, that's this, the thing that, as being a Christian, it's so cool. Because we, we are told, draw boldly before the throne of grace. Boldly. You can march right in. You, as a child of God, get to march right in. It doesn't matter how busy God is. So, you, know, you can march right in and say, God, I need help. I, you know, and that's what it says. You, may, you can find grace to uh, find grace, find help, grace to find help. Anyway, draw boldly before the throne of grace so that you can find grace and help in time of need. Okay? Well, that's what we're allowed to do. But why? You see, because Israel couldn't. That's what Jesus Christ brought us. So... We have the, we're allowed to, we're allowed to draw before God. Why should God listen to you? You ever ask yourself that? You think, oh, it's me. After all, it's me, Fred Gillum. How could God say, don't come? How could God say no? After all, it's me. Do you ever ask yourself that? Well, if you don't, because you know that the answer, it's like, the answer is Jesus. Well, good for you. But it's not you. God does not let you come before him because of you. Jesus bought it. Jesus paid the price so that, paid the cost of admission so we could come freely before the throne of grace, okay? I mean, I know you guys mostly know this, but I just want to, you know, give you another way of thinking about it and looking at it. Okay. Yes, I already said that. And, and here's the point. God did not want this intermediary relationship. He, he actually wished it would have been different. There are a number of places that refer to that in the Old Testament and, and God always says, I didn't want that. I want, in Jeremiah 7, don't remember the exact verse, he says, I didn't talk to you guys about offerings and sacrifices and all that stuff. I didn't say anything about that when I brought you out at first. I said, hear my voice, and I'll be your God, and you be my people, and keep what I tell you. Why? Because I'm anal, I have a problem about sex, I, I, you know, no. Keep what I told you so it will go well with you. That's something to think about. God, everything that God tells us is for our good. Everything that, God, anyway, we'll see more of that later. Okay. God wants a direct relationship with you. Now, your bodies. Present your bodies. Not just your spirit or 
your mind or any of that stuff, your bodies. Why your bodies? Well, how do you affect reality? Imagine that you were paraplegic. I mean, even more than paraplegic. Imagine that everything was cut off and you had your mind, you were perfectly able to think and all that, but you couldn't do anything else. It's one of the, there's a disease, I guess uh, Stephen Hawking had it, which eventually would have cut off everything and then you die. Though he somehow managed to live for over seven to, to his 70th birthday and beyond, which is amazing. But uh, what if you couldn't affect reality at all? What if your body didn't work? We affect reality through our bodies. We express what's inside through our bodies. This is how everything on the inside gets expressed into reality. The only way we can affect one another is through our bodies, you see. So God wants your body. He wants you to present your body. Not your, well, he wants everything else too. We'll get to that in a minute. But he, he wants your body because that's how you do things. That's how you make whatever is inside real. This is something that a lot of people don't realize. They think about spirits and souls and all that. But they don't realize the only way it becomes real is through what you do physically. Okay? When you, are, when you die or the Lord returns and the resurrection happens, you're not just a spirit floating around on a cloud with a harp. If you go to hell, you get an accordion. Anyway, you're not just some disembodied spirit. That's the definition of being dead. You have a body, a new body, a glorified body. Some of you can't really tell the difference when your body's... I mean, that's actually a compliment that I'd... Anyway, uh, this is how all our inner attitudes gain reality. Okay, living sacrifice. Okay, I'm going to buy my son... I'm going to make the sacrifice and buy my son a... A puppy. And because it's a sacrifice, I'm going to kill it. And then I'm going to give it to my son. You think my son would be happy? No. Of course, he's already got, a, he's already got something that they once referred to as a puppy, though I think it's really some different species that resembles the dog for a little while and then turns into a, a moose or a bear. I don't know what. Anyway, he's got a dog. Um, but it, and it didn't get sacrificed. What am I trying to say here? A living sacrifice. The point of a living sacrifice is the emphasis is on the gift, not on the loss. When you sacrifice, you, you lose something because you kill the sacrifice, right? Or burn it or whatever, the, whatever they did. But that's not the kind of sacrifice want, God wants from you. He wants a sacrifice where the gift is what matters. You're giving yourself to God. Okay? And if you killed yourself and burned yourself, not quite what he had in mind. Because he can't do anything with you then, right? You don't have a body anymore, right? So anyway, a living sacrifice. The emphasis is on the gift, not the death. So think about the phrases like a sacrifice of thanks. I'll offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will keep my vows. I will offer. Well, there are a couple other places that talk like that. 
trying to remember them. But anyway, Psalms. Anyway, um, and this is holy or consecrated and well-pleasing to God. What does that mean? I love that word holy. You know why? Nobody knows what it means. <laughs> I have been poking fun at people for years because nobody can give me a good definition. I ask an Old Testament professor, what does holy mean? And what did you say? I heard somebody say something. Never mind. Okay, don't want to embarrass anybody. He hemmed and hawed for a while. And then he said, well, you kind of got to know it. I said, well, I wasn't going to pass that test. I mean, basically my impression was he couldn't define it. Holy was something that couldn't be defined. At least he couldn't define it. So, I, so of course, you know, being who I am, I'm not going to let that lie. And I thought about it for years, okay? And, and what would always kind of prod me again is when people would sing the songs Holy, you are holy, and they raise their hands. So holy, God, you know. And of course, if I asked them, what does that mean? They kind of, you know, things would start happening up there, and they'd say, wait a minute, what does it mean? Uh, pure, or good, or etc. Or some really advanced theological students would say, separate from sin, which is actually pretty good, but. Uh, really means wholly devoted to God. Okay, I was, when I was uh, getting ready for this talk, I was actually writing another paper that had to do with holy. And the paper started interfering with the talk. And I had a really tough time for a while separating them out. Uh, but anyway, I finally got them both done. <laughs> anyway, so wholly devoted to God. Something that's holy is given over to God. You can't touch it. It's God's. Doesn't belong to you. You give it to God, doesn't belong to you anymore. Belongs to God. Okay? Now, who are we talking about here? We're talking about you. Present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and well pleasing to God. Now, I bet there's a bunch of you out there that are thinking, well, there's no way I'm going to do that. I, I, I remember when I first became a Christian, I heard somebody say something like, well, I'll take Jesus, literally, somebody said this, I'll take Jesus as Savior, but I won't take him as Lord. Now, I think that's at least one step in the right direction, but it certainly hasn't got the whole way, has it? I'm going to take Jesus as my Savior, but I'm not going to do what he says. That's what it means to not take him as Lord. You see, so please... Honestly, if that's all you can do, then do that much. I mean, I'm not, I'm not arguing that you should immediately jump in and into the 12-foot side of the pool when you never swam before. Get your foot wet at least, though, you know? And then the rest will come over time. That's the way it's described in the Bible. But anyway, Paul, Paul is saying, present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy or wholly devoted to God. All of, oh, there's a song I was singing. I, I couldn't help it. It got stuck in my mind. All of me, why not take all of me? Anybody know that song? Can't you see I'm nothing without you? You guys don't know that one? Oh, man. I might as well just go find a 
find a grave and lie down in it right now, right? I mean, I'm just, or, you know, go to a dinosaur museum or something, right? You know, anyway, that's a song that used to be fairly popular and uh, got stuck in my mind while I was deciding to give this talk. Anyway, but the point is, look at this. God wants the whole enchilada. He wants all of you. Now think about that. Let's say there was someone of the, oh gosh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step on a minefield here. Let's say there was someone of the opposite sex that you liked and they came up to you and said, I want all of you. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you be kind of thinking, well that's probably a good thing, right? Especially if they, if they showed a ring or something, right? You know, you think, wow, this person really wants me. This person wants me to give them their, my whole life, right? Would, and maybe you're thinking, well, wait a minute. Should I give my life back, you know? I mean, do I give them my whole life, you know? So anyway, God wants all of you. Why? Well, we'll find out in a bit. Um, but it's scary, if someone came up to you, that same person that you probably maybe rattled around in your head there and said, I want all of you, would that be scary? I mean, out of the blue, right? I want all of you. You think, whoa, I'm not quite ready for this. Or, you know, I got a lot of other things I got to do before I get married or whatever, you know. Well, you see, my point, it's scary to commit everything. It's scary to have everything given to you. It's scary to give everything to someone else. So God comes to you and says, I want all of you. And you're thinking, well, how many of you, I remember when I first became a Christian, it was really weird because um, I said all the right things when, when the guy was talking to me. And I still think it was just the Holy Spirit. He said something like, okay, do you want to pray, Fred? And I said, no, I don't pray. That's something children do. And he said, maybe that's your pride. And I said, yeah, I think you're right. Let's pray. So, well, let's go over there and pray. No, no, we can pray right here. You know, so. and, then, and then I said, look, I'm not going to do this halfway. I'm going to do it all or nothing. <laughs> Boy, was I an idiot, right? No, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm glad I did it that way. But that's what I said. I said, all or nothing. Okay? And it was the right thing to say. Do you, are you willing to come before God on an all or nothing basis? Jesus said, you are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were hot or cold. I could work with either one, but you're lukewarm. And since you're lukewarm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vomit you out of my mouth. It's, it's, Disgusting, ah, you know. A lukewarm believer, the worst kind. All or nothing, I'm serious. Be all or nothing. Well, let's keep going. But it's scary, it's scary to be all, well, it's scary to be all, right? I want something for myself, right? I mean, my life has been the story of my trying to hang on to things that I want for myself. And God gradually peeling back my fingers and easing them out of my grip to my great annoyance and chagrin at times. Uh, but what does it say to God? 
when you say, when you say, uh, take all of me, you're saying I trust you with my whole life. When you say that to a person, you're saying I trust you with my whole life, and that's stupid. It is stupid to trust any one person with your whole life because no human being will ever not in some major or minor way betray you, you know? It's never going to turn out the way you hoped because our hopes, our hopes really are appropriate for God. We're hoping that we can find God in that one person that we decide to give our whole lives to. That's foolish. But there's God, you see. You can give your life to God. I trust you with my whole life. That's what's going on here. Holy and well-pleasing to God. He who would please God must believe that he is. And I really want to annoy those people in the back. Maybe I'll just go and put a the microphone in front of the... Will this work? Sorry about that. That wake you guys up. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm a techie. You can't, can't get anything by me. Sorry about I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. That was a little louder than I expected. <laughs> hurt my ears. Anyway, he who would please God. Do you want to know how to please God? You must believe that he is and that he rewards those who seek him. Right? God is. He exists. And you can... Anyway. Uh, and he rewards those who seek him. It is worth your while to seek God. I can honestly tell you that that's true. I have gone through life, and I'm not saying God, I got you know, everything that I'd, that I'd asked for or wanted, but I got a lot of stuff that amazes me. I remember thinking as I was walking through the machine room at SRI, saying to myself, if I had known when I was in high school that I was going to have this job, I would have jumped for joy. And I literally gave up my whole tech, the whole tech side of me. I, honestly, I was, I was very idealistic and... So I burned all my math books. I burned all my science books. And I became an English major. And I still wound up in that room doing program, doing world-class programming. You know, there are people all over the world that were using our software. I got email from people in Germany thanking me for doing certain things. I have a kernel patch somewhere. Anyway, um, but... I had given that all up to God, and he gave it all back, you see. And this is the way God works. God says, delight yourself in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. It is worth your while to seek after God. And I could tell you story after story. Anyway, time marches on. This is, your, this is a reasonable thing to do. This is what you ought to be doing. This makes perfect sense. If you're a Christian, yeah. If, it, if you're a Christian, it all makes total sense. I mean, after all, see, I always think of Christians as, you know, if you're not all the way in, you're missing out on all the fun. If you're trying to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the church, 
God is going to say, man, I can't do anything with you. Maybe you'll have to do the splits, you know, just get further and further. Like riding two horses and they start going different directions, you know. Well, but see, what God really wants is to say, okay, I got you now. I am going to take you to weird and wonderful places. I'm, I'm not kidding. Give your whole life to God, and he will take you to weird and wonderful places. Again, I could tell you stories. Not only my own. Like, well, well, anyway, I could tell you stories, but I'm going to forge ahead. Okay. And, and here's the thing. God is so much on your side. He's more on your side than you are. God wants what's good for you. We'll get to this in, at the end. But he wants the good thing for you more than you do. The things he wants for you are better than what you want. All right, let me talk about that a little later. But, but can I get another reader here who can read this part for me? Uh, oops, that was a mistake. Romans 12, uh, 8, 31 to 32. Can I get somebody... You want to be my reader? Go ahead. <laughs> what then shall we say about all this? If God is for you, who can be against you? There is no doubt that the one who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how, how will he not with him also give us everything else? Did you see, do you hear that? God gave his own son. How, how can he hold anything back after doing that? Do you think God is holding out on you? Eve in the garden thought God was holding out on her. So what did God do? He said, I'm going to up the ante here. I'm going to give you my own son. Now do you believe that I'm not holding out anything on you? Whatever you want in life, God is going to do better. At least as much, if not better. I'm really... St- Believe me, or, well, I, I want to just say it so strongly that you will, but you'll have to find it out for yourself. But it's true. God is worth seeking. Push the button. And he wants all of you so he can bless all of you. If you say that there's a part of your life, let's say my love life, okay, when you're your age, a lot of your ages, well, most, some of you are beyond that, but many of you are still fighting that war, and you're thinking, I'm going to do this on my own. I don't want God messing with my love life, because he's going he's to make me marry someone who's ugly and doesn't have any money, and, or whatever, I don't know. He's going to give me the worst person in the world, you know. And I'm saying this partly because I kind of thought that myself for a, for a long time. Not, I wouldn't have said that. But I thought, oh, God really is going to make me unhappy when I get married. So that's what we're thinking. We're thinking we can't trust God. So I don't want God messing with that. And so (laughs) I made the same mistake a number of times. Now, I mean, mostly, like, the mistake generally wound up with me having a broken heart because I would like a certain person who was not anything nearly compatible with me, and I'd end up with a broken heart. And every now and then I broke a heart, you know. It went both ways. And when I think about it, maybe, I, maybe it was more my breaking other hearts than them breaking mine. But I don't know. You know, a lot of it went under the, under the radar. But finally, 
I had to give my romance life to God. I, I fell in love with my wife, and she didn't want anything to do with me. I'm not going to go into the details. Some people know the details. They're extremely embarrassing. Um, but so I, 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 I was in love with her for a whole year, and she, would not, she didn't want anything to do with me. And it was so painful, so painful, right? Well, then I finally, she told me she had a crush on somebody. And I thought, oh. And I, I'm not kidding. I cried in church the next day. I went over to my sister's house and cried. I went on a business trip and cried for every night the first week. It was a two-week business trip. Every night the first week in the hotel, I cried. And then I said, okay, God, she's yours. I, I give this relationship to you. I'm not going to seek it out anymore. I'm not going to do anything more about it. It's I give it up. I felt like Abraham bringing Isaac to the altar. And just like Abraham bringing Isaac to the altar, God said, okay, I see that you really believe me. And when I got home, my, my wife, who wasn't, my, wasn't even my girlfriend at the time, asked me to take her out to dinner. Because she wanted to talk about something Anyway, I won't go into details. And then after that, she said, well, let's go see a movie. And we went up to Chinatown. We were in Palo Alto. We went up to Chinatown. And we were walking around Chinatown at 2 a.m. in the morning. And she was flirting with me. And I said, what's going on here? I said, God, you know how hard it was to let go of this? Well, we had a few conversations and a few things got sorted out. And within six months, we were married. You see, so it works to trust God for your love life. I'm not saying it'll always work that way. But God is on your side, for goodness sake. He's not trying to screw you over, you know. He is not. You are more likely to screw yourself over. You know, I see it all the time. People wind up in terrible situations because they have not trusted God. Okay. Uh, can you read that? You think? Okay, you could read it. Go ahead. And do not be conformed to the specifications of this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you can confirm by testing the will of God, and see that if, it's, if it is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, thanks. Thanks a lot. You see, we're in the home. This is, this is the home stretch now. I hope I'm not outraging anybody who's watching clocks. How am I doing, Dan? Okay, Dan's happy. So if he's happy, I'm happy. <laughs> okay, do not be conformed, and that means molded, to the specifications of the sage. That's what that literally means in Greek, okay? Uh, believe me, I'm not going to try to prove it. Anybody know Greek here? That's what that means, okay. I see any? No, I don't see any hands. All right. Whew, I'm safe. No, just kidding. All right. Every age, every age, not just this age. This age is pretty bad about it. I mean, we have canceling and we have all kinds of stuff. Every age demands conformity, okay? And, you know, they, there's a saying, I think this is an Asian or Chinese 
saying, maybe I'm wrong, but I know this is a common saying. The nail that sticks up gets hammered down. Okay? So, if you're that nail, you know what's going to happen, right? Because you're not like all the other nails. You know? And even the nails will try to hammer you down because they don't like people not being like them. Do you ever have that happen? Well, I know in some places if you study hard. I was reading this book called... Uh, Life at the Bottom, I think. I can't remember. It, oh, I, oh, I just realized I forgot it and I'm going over later to someone's house to discuss it. With You guys know Fred Mock? Anybody know Fred Mock? I'm going over to Fred Mock's house. Oh, and I forgot the book. Oh, well. Uh, too many things to remember this morning. Anyway, um, Life at the Bottom. It's just like, you know, it turns out that if, like one girl who was, really wanted to study and do well in school... She got all kinds of, like, attacks, literal physical attacks. They put, you know what, in her mailbox. They, you know, all kinds of stuff. And one person said to her, you're stupid to be so clever. This was in England, so that you're stupid to be clever. That's really sad. It's really sad. Talk about the opposite of human potential, my goodness, you know. Self-help. Be transformed. A lot of people think Christianity is self-help. Well, it's not. It's all about a relationship with God. The most important thing, as you know, you remember the story of Mary and Martha. I don't know how many of you remember that. Mary went and sat at the feet of Jesus. And Martha, who was, you know, she was a busy, busy person. She said, Jesus, tell Mary to help. Help with the housework. Help clean things up. Come on. And Jesus said, Martha, you're too worried about all this stuff. Don't worry about it. There's only one thing that's really necessary. Mary got it. Basically, Mary's sitting at the, house of, at the feet of Jesus. Okay? Listen to me now while I'm here. That's what Jesus is saying. You can say, I could say that too, but it wouldn't carry as much weight as Jesus. So anyway, listen to, listen to Jesus while you can. Anyway, but still, you know, God gives us the gift, well, the fruit of the Spirit, the gift of righteousness, all these things that God gives us because he loves us. Not, we do not become righteous or loving or any of these things so that God will love us. That's not why. We become righteous, loving peaceful, patient, because God already loves us and wants our lives to blossom. We do it all with God. You see what I'm saying? We don't say, oh, i got to prove to God that I really mean it. And then we try really hard, fall flat on our face, and then we say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, God is right there with us at that very moment saying, okay, let's do this together. Okay, yeah, you fell down. Here, let me pick you up. Let's get going. Like riding a bicycle when you're first learning. Yeah, you fell over. Okay, come on, we can get back on the bike and keep going. Well, you know, I wouldn't say if it were my kid, which I did. I taught him how to ride a bike. I taught my wife how to ride a bike, too. But anyway, um, I didn't say, well, you can't ride a bike. I hate you. I don't love you. You don't. No, I say, I love you, so I'm going to help you ride this bike. You see my point? That's how God is, only more so. 
You know, that's what it says in Psalm 103. It says, as a father pities his children. What's going on? I'm going to have to go back to the, I'm going to have to go back to the, the speaker. No, I'm sorry. I, I'm being fubbed. <laughs> that's a word I learned from Daniel. Anybody know what fubbed is? Oh, man, I thought that this was a current word. <laughs> Maybe it'll become current. Phone snubbed, okay? I'm being fubbed. Am I being fubbed? Thumbs up. Thumb. Am I being fubbed? <laughs> They're not admitting it. They're not denying it either, though. So. <laughs> okay, self-help. Be the person you were meant to be, but how? Whoops. By the renewing of your minds. What? Wait, you mean I have to think? I thought when I became a Christian, I would never have to think again. Sorry. Bad news for all of you who don't want to ever want to think again. I'll tell you, I've done more thinking. Anyway, I'm not going to go into details, but it starts with the mind. Your thoughts, values, and viewpoints. All, all of your thoughts, values, and viewpoints are generally picked up from your environment. Just like computer science. This is like computer science, isn't it? What is picked up from the environment? <laughs> that word has many different... Uh... But anyway, you pick up all this stuff from your environment, okay? And it's all wrong. Well, it can be wrong. Any of it could be wrong. And if you put too much emphasis on any of one of it, it will be wrong. Uh, C.S. Lewis once said that when the half-gods become gods, then they become devils. Okay, if you put, like, if you take something, a good thing, and put all your emphasis on it, it will eat you alive. Because there's only one God worth all your worship, okay? Anyway, all of your thoughts, values, and viewpoints, they're messed up by the world. Okay, some will be all right because the world is not messing with those things right now. Imagine the family, right? For many, many, many years, the family was seen as the bulwark of society. And in some places, it would get, become an idol. Even the family would become an idol. But now, the world is, has taken aim at the family. And I, I speak to you as somebody whose parents were divorced and who suffered a lot of the, the uh, downfall of that or the fallout of that, including tremendous lack of self-confidence. <laughs> It may not seem like it, but I am, I'm always afraid, especially in relationships with people, that I'm going to be rejected or abandoned. Because, guess, I was rejected and abandoned when I was a kid. And I can't get past it. And I have to live with it. And I have to go into places like the youth group where they're rejecting me and abandoning me right and left. That's what we were talking about, suffering like a good soldier. And I have to just keep going because that's where... I mean, I, I wanted to leave. I said, God, okay, I can leave. I don't have to do this. And God said, no, 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 you don't get off that easy. Go, go be rejected and abandoned some more. You know? Thanks, God. But, but the thing is, we have had several people get baptized out of a group of about 10 kids. So far, we've had two and three more want to get baptized. So I'm thinking, huh. Maybe it was worth it, you know. And fortunately, I've got somebody coming in to help me out. D'Lo, do you guys know D'Lo? This is going to strangle me, even though it's down there. Anyway, do you guys know D'Lo? Anybody? Some of you? Anyway. 
Uh, yeah, Dilo. He, he's been coming in, and he's... Uh, anyway, one of the girls said, he's one of us. I felt so bad. Oh, I'm not one of them, but he is. Oh, you know. Anyway, that's just the way it goes, right? So, okay. Uh, our values are all messed up by the world. We need to be brainwashed. Wait a minute. I thought brainwashing was bad. See how the world gets you to think all the wrong. <laughs> this is a joke. I like to say this just because it, I don't know if it gets anybody, but we need to be brainwashed. And Ephesians 5, 6 526, that he, Christ, might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of, the, of water with the word. So the, wa- the word is kind of a figurative water that washes our brains, okay? So you guys got to know the word. Knowing the word of God is the key. All right, I know. So you're probably thinking, oh, that means I just have to read the Bible more. And... Reading the Bible is hard. Well, there are a lot of ways to hear the word of God. By the way, did you know that throughout history, the primary way of people encountering the word of God was through the ear, not through the eye? Okay, that's why we preach. We preach because that's what Jesus did. Did Jesus write anything down? Not that I know of, you know. Um, the writing only came when people started to die off who knew, who knew the whole story. Okay? So most, and people, you know, throughout history were illiterate, yet they still heard the word of God. That's why, why we call it hearing the word. Find ways to hear the word. Think about the word. Think about what you heard. Pay attention. I, I was reading this fantasy book where there's this girl who has a perfect memory and She's, she manages to be the hero of the story, and someone would say to her, wow, you seem to know a whole lot. And she said, I pay attention, you know. So pay attention, for goodness sake. Don't let things just go by you. I see people, I, I remember I used to, when I was in high school, I used to think of people, well, I used to classify people. Some were just kind of, they were kind of glazed over. And I thought, they're not paying attention. I was, I actually, it was probably wrong, But that's what I thought. Are you the kind of person who hears something a little unusual and your eyes go? I call it the Mego effect. My eyes glaze over, right? (laughs) Do you get the Mego effect a lot? Anyway, uh, I mean, I I could give you the Mego effect in 30 seconds, if that long, because I get it all the time. But don't, you know, try try to keep, try to pay attention to what's going on especially in the world. Think about what's going on. Think about what you hear, what you see. You know? And if something really matters to you, find out if it's true. Do the research. Okay? Anyway. So, why do this? Why have your mind renewed? So that you can confirm by testing the will of God. Now, this is a very interesting thing, the will of God, right? You and God. We're talking about you and God on the same page. We're talking big picture here. Do you want to be on the same page with God? I'll tell you, it's a lot easier to be on the same page with God than to not be on the same page with God. Think about Jonah. When Jonah was not on the same page with God, he had pretty rough sledding, or should I say sailing, right? 
Um, anyway, you want to be on the same page with God, but how do you do that if you don't know what God's up to or what he's thinking? You can experience what it's like to walk with God. You know, if I could start over again, which I won't, I would say, walk with God. Bye. <laughs> you know, um, Yeah, because really it's all about walking with God. It's all about you and God. That's why you give yourself to God. And God says, you give yourself to me and we'll go far together. Let's walk together. Walk through life with me. And you're always walking with someone else. God, God's really heartbroken all the time. He sees you walking with someone else. And he thinks, oh, and I love that person so much. You know? and, and so God's, you know, that, it actually says that God's a jealous God because he's afraid that you will go with the world. Okay? That you will abandon him and go with the world. You know you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? You can make God feel bad. Of course, there was Jesus. We made him feel real bad, you know. Anyway, you can experience what it's like on the positive side to walk with God, which is what it's all about. Walk with God every day. And you have to want it. You, God, you know, there's a principle here, and that's that God doesn't barge in. God is not going to knock your door down. He will knock on the door, but he won't, you know, he's not like the FBI, bam, you know, with that ram and knock it all down and come pouring in and shooting the wrong person and whatever. Anyway, God doesn't do that. He, he knocks. And you don't have to open the door. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Implication, you don't have to let him hear. I do not want to hear this. Blah, 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 blah. You know, you could do that. Or you could go, whatever. You, you don't have to listen to God. Okay? We had our own ways of not listening to God. We weren't as high tech about it. But <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I don't go. I don't do well with that. I have to admit it. Anyway, you can experience what it's like to walk with God, and you can know His will in your daily life. You can know God's will in your daily life. You can also know God's will. You can know God's will in your overall life. Whoa, I'm going to fall down. Uh, you can know God in your overall life, general, general guidance. My, uh, you guys know Edwin Lynn. You guys know Edwin Lynn, right? My son-in-law. Anyway, he's going to speak at the youth retreat. And Edwin Lynn, he was telling me how he became a sociology major. He said he was up at Berkeley, walking around. He's now a sociology prof. But anyway, he was walking around, praying to God. He just said, God, hmm, should I take this class? Should I take that class? He prayed about it. And it was like things just kind of steered in that direction. And he ended up in sociology. Now he's got his PhD and he's a prof, right? And, and so there's a general guidance of your overall life, walking with God. God will move you in the right direction, okay? That's a principle. God did that to Paul. When Paul was wandering around in Turkey, or what they call Asia, he tried to go this way. The Holy Spirit said, nope, stop, don't do that, Paul. Try to go that way. Nope, don't do that. So they kept wandering around, and they ended up in this small port uh, all the way over on the west side, called Troas, 
And Paul got a vision. And there was a guy standing on the other side of the strait saying, come over and help us. And the rest is history. Corinth, Athens, Thessalonica, all those places. Those were on the other side that Paul went to. Was led by the Holy Spirit every step of the way. Sometimes saying, don't go there. You know? Okay, general guidance and specific guidance. The details of your life. I have experienced... I know I'm talking way too long. Sorry. I have... I have experienced the specific guidance of God in my life. And I won't go into details. I've heard God's voice very clearly, not audibly, but God has told me this is the way it's going to be. And it was. Like one time I thought I was going to get fired. And I was all worried and I prayed. And God said, you're not getting fired. You're not going to get fired. You're going to leave when you want to. And... I didn't get fired. My boss called me and said, I really like having you around. I'm going to work something out. And when I finally did leave, I got an email from somebody saying, you were a blessing from God. You made a very difficult situation workable for me. And the guy wasn't even a Christian, you know, and I thought, whoa, you know, talk about God. So God guided me and led me every step of the way there. Um, This is why you present yourself to God as a living sacrifice. Okay, so that he can work with you. God is not going to steal someone else's property. If it's his, you know, he'll take it. If it's not his, see a lot of people wonder, where is God? Well, he's always right where you want him. Where is God when all this happened? Well, where was he before this happened? You know, did you want him before it happened? Well, no, I want to live my own life. But now that it happened, why why didn't he stop? You didn't want him to stop. You didn't want him in your life. Now you're blaming him. You know, have you ever, have you heard that kind of thing? I mean, it's really weird. If in people, it's really weird, right? Okay. Yeah. How can God guide you if you won't follow? Okay. So you're going to see that the will of God is good. Okay. And these are things that God, I got to speed up here. I'm going to, but I'm not going to. Anyway, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Do you want to be happy enough to give thanks no matter what? Do you want to rejoice all the time? Do you want to be able to pray whenever you feel like it? Whenever you, whenever you need something or think of something or whatever, you want to be able to do that? God is listening to you every second? Yeah, that sounds good to me. This is the will of God in Christ for you. He wants that. He wants all this stuff for you. This is great stuff. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. How many people were on at the uh, Mexico trip? You guys, really? <laughs> I guess you're worn out. Anyway, uh, do you remember this psalm? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah, I heard about this. But, the, but you know, the first line of psalm, the first line of the book of psalms, Blessed is the man. I guess somebody mentioned that, right? The very first line. It's all about blessing. It's all about blessing, joy, peace, love. I mean, God is really mean, isn't he? He wants us to have love. He wants us to have peace. What's exciting about that? I want drama. I want conflict. I want bombs blowing up and cannons firing. Right? I mean... You think, what the heck is going on there? Okay, um, acceptable. 
Acceptable. What does acceptable mean? Okay, all right, you know there's a kind of medicine you take, and it tastes horrible, and they say, God, God's, um, sorry. Medicine tastes horrible, but it's good for you, you know. Well, God's will is not like that. God's will is acceptable. All right, so I'm not going to go into that because I don't. But let's read Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope, hope, okay, fill you with all joy and peace. Is this acceptable to you? Is it acceptable to you that God fill you with all joy and peace? How many people do not want that? (laughs) Raise your hand if you're against joy and peace. Well, at least you're in the right place. In believing... So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you may abound in hope. Hope, it's all about hope. You see? I mean, aren't these great words? It's like like the girl said, it's too good to be true. Is this really true? Man, it sounds so good. Is it just a sales pitch? Okay, perfect. Perfect. What does this mean? The best that you can do. You will never do any better than God's will. That's what we we always think. If I do it my way, it'll turn out better. Because God doesn't really know me that well. God doesn't know what I want or what I feel. (laughs) I mean, that's wrong, right? You know, God knows you more better than you know yourself. You see? God's will is is perfect because that's the way he is. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation of shadow or shadow due to change. And then how do I get a piece of that action? Who wants to, you want to read this last one? So what's the answer? How do I get a piece of this action? Show up. Show up. Come. Be there. And it it doesn't cost you anything except your whole life. (laughs) But, But in a good way, because God can really make it something incredible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you are a God of abundant blessing, that your whole desire is that, to, that you should bless us, but, even, but also that you care enough about us <laughs> to let us go. Uh, and yet you won't just let us go. You'll keep after us, but you'll chase, it, you'll chase us down, but you'll never barge your way in. Lord, help us to understand you and see things from your perspective and give ourselves to you so that you can bless us the way you want us to. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.